CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey guys, it's Mark Striegel, and before we get into the episode with Dirty Honey, Fu Manchu, and Kodiak, I want to take a moment to thank the people who bring you this show. I like to consider them my executive producers. They join me on Patreon, and I encourage you guys to join me there, too. Steven Saylor. Thank you, Steven. Steve Hoker. Love, Mr. Hoker. Mike Jones. Mike and I recently hung out together at the uh, Iron Maiden show with Emily and some other folks including Jerry from Long Island. Dan Gurwan. Dan, I really appreciate all your support. You are one of our, our top uh, contributors. So, man, thank you for your support. I appreciate it, Dan. Metal Dan. Patrick Schwartzman, the guy who turned me on to Visigoth. Jerry from Long Island. Jerry, I'm making uh, ice cubes with the ice cube maker. Jerry gave me an Eddie ice cube maker. Eddie from Iron Maiden. Emma Clayton. Drake. Matt Carroll. Joe. Michael Street, who I wonder if Michael is back at the Rock and Pot Expo this year. Uh, Brad, Brad Dahl, my friend who meets up with me every year at M3. Jason Seth, Fred Roots, Sam Soupy, Jay Vaninsky, Jean-Francois Blas, Sean Morgan, James Bennett, Ron Keel, Mr. David Gray, Miles Atwood, Richard Langridge, Anthony Mackey, Kenny McCrimmon, Leo from Alaska, Leo, I don't know how to pronounce your last name, Leo, Leo, Session, Session Ben, (laughs) that's probably nowhere close, right, Leo, I'll just call you Leo from Alaska, Uh, John Beauvoiri and Ralph Petrie, thanks guys, you guys are the influencers of this show, you are the co-producers of this show, I listen to you guys more than I listen to publicists or random people on Twitter or Facebook. The Patreoners help guide this show. They suggest interviews that I try to make happen. They request songs. They are a full part of this show. They get a Talking Metal t-shirt if they contribute $5 a month or more. They get a bonus podcast every week, a bonus podcast that that only the small Talking Metal Patreon heads uh, talking metal heads on Patreon is what I'm trying to say. Get to here. And it go- comes out every Friday just for you guys. You guys are the true force behind talking metal. So thank you for your monthly pledges every month. And if, if you, uh, a listener out there, want to be more of an influencer on this show, just join me on Patreon. I listen to you guys. All right. Listen to the patrons on Patreon. So we have Dirty Honey and Kodiak, two great new bands that I recently discovered on today's show, along with Fu Manchu. Uh, And I do want to mention that 
on my YouTube channel, which I'd love it if you guys all subscribe to that. It's youtube.com slash talking metal. In about a week, we will have video versions of the Fu Manchu interview and the Dirty Honey interview posted. All right, so here we go. Here is today's episode of Talking Metal. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. This is the Sean Baker Orchestra with Which Way to Radio Land. Check, 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 check. Hey, welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. My name is Mark Striegel, and I'm joined here by Emily. How are you, Emily? Awesome. How are you doing? Good. This is kind of like an international episode here, because we are sitting in your mom's basement in Fort Wayne, Indiana, right now. Some of the interviews were recorded in Montreal, Canada, and the other interview was recorded in that crazy country named uh, New Jersey. 
So it's <laughs> it's definitely. I a, think you're getting your countries, your geography mixed <laughs> yeah. up a little bit. Okay, but it is international. We have the the two of the interviews we did in. Montreal, Canada at the great heavy Montreal. Wow, so much fun this year. And you did a great job with this interview with this brand new band. Let's talk about this. Dirty Honey. Dirty Honey. Yeah. What like an awesome surprise. Like I just didn't know, I'll be honest, I didn't know a lot about them aside from the fact that they've been touring with Slash and they've like opened for the Who. So I've definitely heard some rumblings about them. But man, their set was on fire. And I, I went out, wanted to listen to it, wanted to make sure I saw it because I was going to be interviewing them. Halfway through the set, you come tromping across the grass and you were like, man, I was sitting back there in the media tent and I could hear them all the way in there. They right. sound incredible. Yeah. They were so good. So good, yeah. And again, Heavy Montreal was just so great this year. Big thanks to all the people up there for treating Emily and I so well. And we got so many great interviews, and we're going to hit two of the interviews we recorded at Heavy Montreal today. That's Fu Manchu and also Dirty Honey that Emily mentioned. And then we're going to hear from from the band Kodiak. And I met up with these guys in my living room in New Jersey, in Maplewood, New Jersey. So without further ado, let's get into this first interview. Scott Reeder of Fu Manchu, not to be confused of the guy who has the same exact name, who played in Caius and and The Obsessed and Fireball Ministry. That's Scott Reeder, the bass player, we are t- who's been on the podcast. But now we're talking with Scott Reeder, the drummer, and he is from the band Fu Manchu. This is Clone of the Universe by Fu Manchu, followed by my interview with Scott from Fu Manchu.
Sorry, I'm watching Clutch over here. I just... Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and we are here at Heavy Montreal with Scott from Fu Manchu. Dude, the set today, just, you killed it, Thank man. you. It was so, so good. We tried the to crowd was going nuts. We tried to stick a knife in it. We did. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, really, and for the side stage there where you guys were playing, I mean, it was packed. It was all the way to the back. It was. Packed with people. It was packed. I tried to see through the sweat in my eyes, and when I could see, it was yeah. far-reaching. Yes, <laughs> it definitely was. Um, let's talk about this festival. Have you played Heavy Montreal before? No, no. We were actually trying to think of the last time we were in Montreal, and I can't remember when that was. I think it was, I want to say, Gigantoid Tour. So that's oh, it's wow. been probably going on five years right. that we've been haven't been right. here. So well, the crowd was ravenous for you guys, and you they were completely yes. delivered. There was a guy in a Pikachu suit and a guy holding a shark <laughs> in the mosh pit. So okay. right. I figure, you know, if you can get those two together, <laughs> right. You're probably doing something right. <laughs> right on. Or not. I don't know. <laughs> the the last album, Clone of the Universe, still rather recent, 2018. I'd yeah. imagine you guys aren't working on new music yet, or are you? Um, we're going to be doing, uh, we have a few more shows this coming month in August coming up. And then in September, we've got a bit of a lull between okay. stuff. And so we're going to get together and start writing Okay. And uh, next year is our 30th anniversary. Wow. So we have a lot of stuff planned and in the planning stages. And so in that time, we're going to be doing a lot of shows and reissues and stuff. And okay. we're hopefully going to be trying new material on the road and then with an eye to hopefully recording some next year as well as touring. Right. And then hopefully having another new album out probably the year after so it's still okay. probably a couple of about a year and a half off probably maybe right. sooner i don't know if we get together and bang a stuff bunch of stuff out in september you never know so right on right on very cool and when you guys come up with new material is it everyone getting in a room together or do you yeah. kind of work out riffs on your own and um, parts on your own first? yeah i mean the guitar our guitar guys you know scott and bob the guy who was supposed to be here Right. Uh, he, uh, they, those guys have so much stuff between them, you know. Right. And I mean, Brad has stuff. I've got stuff. But I, I kind of like, I let the guitar players come up with that stuff because right. they're always going to have better riffs than me. I mean, it's like, do you it, play guitar? Do you write? I play. On guitar? I play guitar, yeah. but not to the point. I mean, if I have an idea, I can get it out. Yeah. But if I need a lead, I go, Hey, Bob, can you play a lead on this for me? Right. <laughs> you know? right, right, right. I mean, I got like, in in my opinion, the best. Guitar lead guitar player yeah, around oh, yeah. and you know yeah. i can i can say that and be favor and play favorites so uh but then uh yeah those guys have so many riffs between them and so much stuff of different kinds i mean you know we we should be we should almost have too much stuff and i think that's what happened with the last record is we had too much stuff but it was all kind of in bits and pieces, and that's sort of what made us. We had an idea that we wanted to do a side-long song, mm -hmm. and so we got a bunch of different stuff together, and we were like, let's stitch this thing together and see if we can make something cohesive out of it, right. and it turned out. So we actually have an idea sort of going forward. I can't really talk too much about it, about yeah. what the next one's going to be, but it's hopefully a bit of a continuation of that theme, Okay, but maybe in... Uh, a split record or something. I don't know. Right. We'll, we'll wow. see how okay. we'll, we'll see how it works out. Right Maybe on. one album of stuff that's you know a certain way, and another album of another you know the, a different way. So right, and you know the band, whether you like it or not, you get that that title kind of, or you get I put in the stoner rock mm -hmm. category. Um, 
at this festival, there's so much diversity. Yeah. And and you know, I saw people out there. These guys. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. Clutch. Yeah. I mean, there's. I saw people out there though. You know, wearing Guns N' Roses shirts, wearing Slayer shirts, wearing Dying Fetus shirts, and they all were rocking out to you guys. Is it refreshing? to be on a festival where there's so much diversity? Yeah, always. I mean, I think it's it's always, I, I just kind of always think that like, no matter what you, what label you give to a, a music, You're right? A, a music, Yeah. <laughs> you know, a good riff is a good riff. Absolutely. So call it what you want, as long as you enjoy it, and it brings people out. Yeah. It's funny because we have a song that's literally one note played over and over again. And we've gone to a lot of different places around the world, and whenever we play that one note, but we play it over and over again, yeah. in that repetition, people always seem to fall into the same groove where they answer it with a, you know, a little, right. hey! And, and it just, you know, it sort of transcends stuff. Now, that's not very deep thinking musically, but I mean, who cares? Well, it's, it's like a tribal thing. It's yeah, that's, DNA, you know? that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. It's, it's something that's ingrained in you. And, right. you know, if you if you know, I always tell my drum students, I'm like, really, the, the, the goal in learning to be a drummer is to look out and see people doing this. Yeah. And if you can get people to do that, right, they're kind of looking at you a little funny. You know, you may pull it back a little bit. Right. <laughs> So, but yeah, that's it's it's great to be with all these bands and playing with all. You know, it's great to see friends. I mean, I just ran into Paul Bostoff, and I was just literally thinking the second before I saw him, right. I'm like, I wonder if I'm going to see Paul at this festival. Right. And Where there he, and there he was. And then seeing Tam today from Clutch, and those guys right. are actually watching him on stage, and are, and then the other guys are looking for a miss a missing guitar. So where do you know Paul from? Uh, just from running into him over, yeah. the, over the years, years at Slayer right. shows yeah. and just, you know, he likes Fu Manchu and, right. oh, you know, cool. it's kind of, a, it's definitely a mutual admiration, you know? Yeah. And I mean, how long have you been with Fu Manchu? We're going on a couple decades at this 17, point, right? 17, 18 years okay. or something like wow. that. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. yeah. I'm not the law. I mean, I've obviously Hill's been in it since the inception. Right. Brad's been in since like 93, I think, you know? Yeah. So there's, everybody's got some time. I always joke it's our it's all of our longest relationship. <laughs> right, right. And when you look back at that 17-year span of being with Fu Manchu, what are some of the highlights that jump to the top? Uh, you know, every I'm sure there's a lot. But I yeah. mean, really, every time we there's so many great shows, and I mean, obviously having Alex Lifeson play yeah. on our last record that's that's pretty much. I mean, that's a high point for all of us. Right. And and not only just having him play on it, but it being something that was cohesive. Right. And you listen to it afterwards, and it's still it, it's affecting. And the fact that we can play it live, and you know, uh, the last tour that we did uh, last year off that record was, I mean, it was like, I thought all the other stuff was great, and then that just got better. And wow. I'm looking for next year, and looking forward to the next thing. So it's kind of like, always, it seems like always the next thing that we do is always what I look forward to. But right. you know, I mean, it's been it's been great ever since you know I joined. So and and why did you guys like? I guess, I mean, I know why, because he's awesome, Alex Lifeson, but how? How did you go about reaching out to him? And were, were there a bunch of people you reached out to, or would no, you specifically no. target him? That was for a, the, uh, the we, well, because we had the idea to do a, a sidelong song, and when you think of bands that do those kind of songs, you know, I mean, we're not going to call David Gilmore. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, not that we wouldn't want to, but, uh, uh, and, you know, we're not going to call Steve Howe. So, right. I mean, the guy that's closest to, I think, what our level of I wouldn't say our level of musicianship at all but I mean just sort of in I guess you could say in a, a more like side by side I, I could imagine Alex's riffs right 
as Fu Manchu riffs sometimes. Yeah. But it's really our management because our management, uh, our manager Brian Frank, worked with them at Atlantic, and okay. I think he worked with Alex on the Victor album right. uh, when he was there. And so it was just one of those things. We got an email one day saying, "Hey, what do you guys think about this idea?" And it was like, "Huh? Really? Right. Seriously? Is this a joke?" Yeah. You know. And then you know the whole the whole process or process since we're in Canada. Right. Yeah. Um, of going along the way until we actually got the tracks and listening to it and mixing it in and you know I actually sat down and uh, I wrote him a letter right and uh, and Brad made him a fuzz pedal oh a wow, custom wow. fuzz That's pedal awesome. that actually went went to 11 and we sent him a couple of shirts and uh, you know we just thanked him yeah and it was just kind of and also you know thanked him and Getty and Neil for 40 years of oh, just yeah. being inspiring in general and just, you know, being the push basically that made right. you want to get better. Yeah. And that was cool. And he was stoked. You know, he got the pedal and he's like, I'm stoked. I can wear this T-shirt. I've been working out. Right, right, <laughs> I'm right, like, right. that's great. I can imagine it. So, yeah, that was I mean, it was just such a crazy confluence of things. I mean, we never we never actually played together in the same room. Right. And we're hoping that, you know, maybe in the future for our 30th birthday, we can get to Toronto and. Play in the same room, you know. I, you know, how do you feel about? There's been a lot of people pushing for Getty and ne uh, and Getty and Alex to possibly make some music without Neil because it seems like Neil's the guy who's kind of decided he's done making music, which I understand. I mean, his stuff is so. I mean, those you know those I mean. three guys don't owe anybody anything, right? Okay, they can do whatever they want or don't want to do. I mean, right? You know. 17 years of being in one band and touring and all that stuff those guys worked their asses off especially in the beginning right and they they did everything the way you should do it yeah. so they don't know i mean we're so lucky that we got more time from neil and they don't know anybody anything so right. i mean whatever they want to do if those two dudes decided they wanted to play together great you know right. if they wanted to play with another drummer they're never going to call it rush you know they're, yeah. they're, they're, the bond is too too great there i mean i don't know i've never met any of them so right. i have no idea but you know again i just i think that they don't they gave everything they could give so it's like i'm just happy to hear something from any of them in any form right it's on great you know right on last question and yes i'm available to play a little drum right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But not um, not not in a not in a in a no way in, in that form, right. but you know, if Getty needs somebody to you know do a two and four, hey, I can right. do that. Right. Besides Neil, just Burr. two and four. That's right. it. That's all I can do. Right. I can. Wait, what drummers still blow you away? Whether it's like you know the old time guys or new. When you listen to a drummer I mean, like that guy right there, Jean Paul right, from Clutch. Clutch. I mean, the guy's got the you know, who has a groove like like that? Yeah. Nobody has a groove like that. Uh, Dale. The Melvins, you know, yeah. uh, I, lo I, I loved Taylor's a great drummer, right? You know, Taylor's a Taylor's a madman, you right. know, and, and you know, he's I, Hawkins, when I, I was yeah. I, when I was first starting to learn how to play. I mean, Queen was my, yeah, you know, it's, I did this weird oh, okay, trajectory right. where it was like I did. I, I loved Queen and then then I found Neil and then I found uh, Bill Stevenson. Right. You know, and uh, and then. Nico and Vinny Apice and Stuart Copeland right. and all that stuff Terry Bozio and, oh yeah and uh, and then I found John Bonham right wow, and then okay. I, and then it was like oh that's a whole new thing the simpler side of things right? yeah so all of those guys still blow my mind yeah you know they still 
they, you know, I still listen to, I mean, and I'm still finding stuff that I, guys that I've always heard about. I watched, I watched Vinnie Coliuta last year uh, play with Jeff Beck right. uh, in Irvine. And I talked to him just briefly after the show. And I was, I just said to him, I'm like, man, those, the, the, the press rolls that you were doing. And all of a sudden we're just, we're both a couple of nerds and we're talking about, he's like, yeah, how that sound, it sound like wrinkling paper. Cause right. you know, Papa Joe says you got to make it sound like wrinkling paper. And right. I'm like, I'm talking about press rolls with Vinnie Coliuta. Right. And, and it just proves to me that like, we're all, we're all nerds. Yeah. We're everybody's nerds and yep. I, and I love it. So, I mean, it's great to, it's great to find new drummers and, and, you know, like I said, Dale with the Melvins and yeah, I mean, Dale, you know, playing shows with those guys and hearing him play and just, you know, just hearing the flam. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God. Right on. You know, and it's got, a, it has a personality to it. So yeah, it's, it's a constant well source, you know, awesome. it's, it's awesome. It's constantly inspiring. Very cool. Scott, yeah. thank you so much you for your it, time and best of luck. We look yeah. forward to whatever Fu Manchu has in store. Awesome. Thank you. Look inside They started right A back road in a dirt town lives All time
was mongoose and i can't tell you when they busted into that song i was dancing my pants off that was such an awesome like fun like danceable set yeah i was they, moving. they were great and of course scott we know scott doesn't play on that on that particular song but uh it, we just had to play it because it sounded so great when they w- performed it at heavy montreal so uh let's right now i guess i guess what we'll do now is get into We'll get right into the Dirty Honey interview. This interview, again, was recorded at Heavy Montreal, conducted by you, Emily. So here we go. A little Dirty Honey at Heavy Montreal. We're going to get right into the interview right now. Hello, Talking Metal listeners. Emily Striegel coming at you from Heavy Montreal 2019. And with me right now from Dirty Honey, I've got John and Justin. That's me. What's up? How are you guys? Man, I just saw a rocking set by you guys. Of course, John, lead guitarist, Justin's on bass. You guys killed it today at Heavy Montreal. How did you feel about the show? Your first time playing Canada. I love Canada. It's like great people. It's good weed. Just like a super rocking crowd. They were really responsive and interactive with us. So that was super cool. Yeah, I mean, if you look at who's playing here, we have everyone from, we have black metal, we have metal core, we have, you know, the Godfathers, one of the Godfathers of Thrash Slayer playing tonight. We have you guys who come out killing it with a, I, call, I like to think of it as a hard blues rock vibe. I like to call it good new fashioned rock and roll. Good new fashioned rock and roll. I like that. That's very That's good, cool. right? But, you know, regardless, you had people in your audience wearing dying fetus T-shirts <laughs> that were, were totally, <laughs> no, this is the truth. I actually, no, I yeah, somebody, yeah, yeah. you know, and they were, you guys won them over in a matter of minutes. I saw necks craning 
turning around to see who was playing. It must have felt really good. I feel like you guys were received really well. Yeah, it did. I, it did feel really good, and uh, it was that exact thing. Just even leading up to the festival, you know, because we've played other festivals that have a lot of metal acts and hardcore acts and sort of like corn underneath that umbrella. Yeah, and all that stuff and lots of tracks and just heavy genting. Is that, is that what they call it these days? Genting? I don't know. Yeah, gent rock. And we're coming in, and it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And but right before we got on stage, uh, our lead singer Mark, he looked at me. He's like. I think it's gonna be a good show, and I could. You can kind of tell there's this sort of air about it, yeah. about the audience, and yeah, I didn't. I, I saw dudes in Slayer shirts looking at me yes. and going like this. Yes. And I was like, yeah, man. Like, I noticed the same thing. It was like really close cool. to Slayer. You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> and you know what? I mean, some bands. I'm not gonna name any names that may have been here. You know, yesterday may, weren't even as, as well received. And I think it's because you guys have a, a special authenticity about you, you. that that people really read and really dug. And before you launched into a blazing solo, I saw your entire set, by the way. Thank you. Um, you gave Thank props you. to Slash. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about, you've had some amazing, I was kind of looking at what you guys have been up to. You've had some um, amazing gigs you've been playing. Who have you had the honor of playing with in recent uh, months? Well, for direct support gigs, Slash. We're doing Slash in Toronto tomorrow, actually. Um, oh. We got to open up for The Who a couple months ago, which was pretty oh mind-blowing. Um, How was that? It was awesome. Like Holy I was hanging backstage moly. and I was on the phone and like Pete Townsend walked off stage and he no. pointed at me. No. And he walked up to me and I was like, I got to go. Pete no. Townsend was walking over to me and shook my hand. He was like, you look like a musician. And I was like, yeah, I'm opening up for you. <laughs> and he's like, oh, cool. I hope you got, I hope, you know, I'll listen to you guys tonight. Cause he didn't even know Live Nation booked it for it. Oh um, he didn't know who the opener is. my yeah, gosh. He goes back into the room. He's like, Pete Townsend came up to me. <laughs> And we were like, damn it, I was just I sitting bet. here on Instagram. This I sucks. <laughs> I mean, that's unreal, you yeah. know? It's, it's amazing. And we've done, and, and opening for Slash was our first real band gig, really. Yeah. And he's like our heroes, like especially me and him. Yeah, we're big Slash fans, always were, big Guns N' Roses fans. And that was a, obviously a major geek fest. And, you know, we got to we got to be behind the curtain. We get yeah. to stand side stage next to his yeah. where his real amp is. And, like yeah. you know, and it's just like... To be look, we're looking at each other like I mean, you know, holding back tears of joy in a way yeah. that first time, you know, yeah. and and now it's just an honor and it's it's the double honor is that he that they ask us back, yeah, you know, it's it's um, really in incredible and I I found myself watching I so I, the first time I saw Slash on stage was in '92. Use wow. your illusion, use oh, your illusion. Oh, I saw so him with Guns N' Roses yeah. on Use Your Illusion. Oh my God, <laughs> I've watched the DVD. I we weren't. We weren't you know, I we still well, had to ask mom for permission to get things out of the fridge at that point. So <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to um, talk offline about that particular <laughs> yeah, show. But um, I've seen Slash, you know, then then I've seen him on small stages, and now I've seen him back with the reunion, of course, multiple times. We flew to Vegas to see like one of the first shows that they did, the reunion, and. The one thing I can say is Slash always gives like a thousand percent, whether he's on a small stage or a large Every stage, night. and you guys. I felt like I could take. I could have picked just, you guys we up. We love playing. Yes, like, that's why I we do this. I could you guys up on that show you did today and set you on an arena stage, and it would have translated. And I'm not joking. I'm not love just that. kissing your yeah. butt. I'm saying, no, like, that's true. he came up to me during the set. The pr hi, hi, Mark. Um, Mark, Mark came up to me during the set, and he's like, "Are you hearing this?" He was like, "I was in the media tent, and I heard them." And he came like running out, and he was like, "They sound freaking amazing." So, and I'm not 
I don't say this to everyone. You yeah. Know, I interview. I, I honestly thought like the same kind of vibe. And if you guys can keep that going, you guys are going places. You know. I think, and that's the goal. Is we we have like this five five song EP out. It's six songs in our mind because we have a sixth one coming out that we did at the same session. But um, that's our standard, and you know we we hold ourselves to a tough tough standard with with each song that we decide we're going to birth. You know, and we take our time, and it's so that it'll be that each time. So that when we give you six more, because you know it'll probably be an EP, it'll, it's like we'll give you six more of that 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 we can go to stage every time yeah. and never think, oh, I wish we didn't write this song. Yeah, and it's hard work to get there. We have to be brutally honest with each other and sometimes hurt each other's feelings. But yeah, you do. Kind of sucks a little in bit. In any kind of know? relationship, look at any band. You're gonna have you're gonna have those squabbles. It's a marriage. Yeah, it's it's tough because we could we're you know we're sounds arrogant we're great players yeah. we could jam anything that's fun to jam yeah. and that sounds sounds good because we're not bad yeah. you know but that doesn't mean it's a good song Agreed. and so we and we it's like this it has to be this like it has to be a iconically memorable in like two beats yeah. and then also you have room so that when we play it live to put yeah. to feel it yeah. Yeah. put expression into it so I think we've done that with what we have now, so we can everywhere we go. We can, it's, it I think that's something that's so cool about watching Slash every night too, because he definitely puts that in his songs. Like you could see, it, he takes long guitar solos, like they jam. Like we want that aspect too, because we want every show to be different, and yeah. you know, for the audience to have a unique experience every time they see us. Yeah. And that's the injection into the scene. If there's a philosophy of what we're doing, yeah. that's the injection. It's like you're not going to get the exact record. We're gonna. It's not gonna be worse. It's, I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna totally play a different solo. Yeah. But it's always a little different. Yeah. Just a little. Yeah. You know. And you guys can pull back and do the bluesy. The, I don't know what song. The one that slowed it down, down the road, a little yeah. bit. Oh my god. Yeah. And that was also. I have to say, you know, your vocalist is insane. John, <laughs> yeah, is yeah, we John? do, we do, sorry. yeah. Uh, Mark, sorry. Mark, <laughs> Mark. Mark. I'm John. Here. You're John, and you're Justin. I wish Mark, it, I wish I wish that was me that you could say that about, but it, it's <laughs> yeah, very I mean, much not. He can sing his balls off. You guys can play your balls off. It's it's yeah. insane. So tell me, you have the EP out. Is there a full length in the works? I know you. I mean, I. What are you thinking? Are you just going to tour the EP right now and get the word out? Yeah, that's the plan for now this year. Yeah. And we're writing new songs yeah. right now, and then we're going to record them probably around January. Is the plan. If we have a full length of, like I said, material that yeah. meets that meets that criteria, well, I would I would think we'll do it. I don't. There is a mixed feeling amongst camp whether or not we should release a full EP. Yeah. Some uh, some people or full length. Some people feel it just should be EP. Yes. Even if we have twelve more bangers, within that, some it's, people it's feel that, yeah, exactly. That's two more EPs because also our you know our team is very much like we we can work great songs for yeah. six months. So you, if you want to. You don't have to put out 12. That is the evolution yeah. of the music business right now. It's gone back to the like younger the younger bands. It has. Yeah. Yeah. It's singles, it's EPs, and everyone's doing it that way right now, which I was just curious to see what you guys had to it's say about of, that. We're like kind of like music history nerds, but that's kind of yeah. how it started. Like people yeah. in the 50s and 60s, they were just releasing singles exactly. and singles and singles oh, for the yeah. longest time. Yeah. Like Exactly. The, the we full-length are. album didn't really become a thing to like We've come like full 60s. circle. We've yeah. come for full circle. Exactly. Um, so tell me, you guys are in L.A. Are you guys from L.A.? Originally, I am from, from L.A., from Van Nuys, California, the Valley, right. the Valley nice. kid. I'm, I'm, uh, I was born in Plymouth, Massachusetts. East Coast kid. Yep. Yes. And I was raised in Maine. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yep. I've been to Maine. Maine's beautiful. It's beautiful. Beautiful place. And we just so played there, so it was great. And how I got did you guys family. hook up originally, then? Um, well, J. 
John was playing with Mark, or he knew Mark, and then I met him through Mutual Musicians also, and we yeah. started writing together. Nice. And we wrote together for about a year, and then um, he was doing a project with Mark also, and um, he brought me and the drummer that we were working with into that group, and it... Nice. We've eventually lost that drummer over at Capo. I'll tell you the whole story <laughs> another day. Was it a Spinal Tap thing? It, it's it's like it was our most Spinal Tap <laughs> moment ever. <laughs> um, but yeah, then um, we found Corey, and I'd known him through mutual gigs, and I actually okay. just called him the sub one night because we had a gig, and our, our drummer we were using at that time bailed, and Corey was awesome, and after the gig stood up and was like, I want to be in the band. And nice. I always love to hear how it comes together because yeah, your, your uh, chemistry is so good. Yeah. It's obvious. And Corey, Corey is the birth of Dirty Honey in a way because we would, all the other times that he's talking about, we were we had different names. We were mostly a cover band. The writing thing was like on our free time, you know, because we could never keep a drummer. And then Corey, would, yeah, he stood up and was like, I want to be in the band. And then Mark came up with Dirty Honey, and that was two years, about two years ago. And about so two years now. Almost two years. Yeah, about two years. I think it was like summertime. Was it two years? Two years. I'm Rain Man. Um, <laughs> two, definitely two. Two, two, definitely two. Two. Yeah, definitely it's not even genius. Two. It's not even genius to count two, right? Yeah. It has to be like four thousand seventy-six. Definitely four thousand. No. No, but uh, yeah, we we, we had you know we just we never had a unit, but we had the three of us, and the dream. And Corey was he met all the requirements. He wanted to be in a band. And he was an amazing drummer. We need. We were like, we can't have somebody. Is yeah. He got that bass drum. Yeah. It's like the boom. Yeah, and he's just he's just a, he's a drummer's drummer. I mean, yeah. the guy would his happiest place would be practicing drums. Fantastic. <laughs> so. Well, it's been a pleasure meeting you guys. Can't tell you enough. I really truly enjoyed your set. Can't wait to see how you guys evolve, how things go for you. I think you're going places for sure. And Thank you very we're much. gonna check you out next time you come around Jersey. We'll definitely see you at a show. All of our talking metal listeners, check them out. Dirty Honey coming your way. Keep your eyes and ears open. Woo! Yeah!
my interview with Dirty Honey from Heavy Montreal with Justin and John, two really nice guys, and um, and then we also played their single, When I'm Gone. Yeah, wow, what a great band, and what a great set at Heavy Montreal. Dirty, Dirty Honey, be on the lookout for those guys, and I gotta tell you, one of the most exciting things that happened for me musically this week, Emily, is Tool. You know I've been such a massive fan of theirs, been seeing them for like 25, 30 years in concert. I tell you, I, some of my, my most emotional and, and memorable concert moments have been Tool. And I know we, I took you to see them at PNC Art Center, I believe on the 10,000 Days Tour. Um, but I mean, I remember seeing them way back in like 92 at Roseland on the Undertow Tour with uh, Failure opening up. I saw him in 96 on the, the Anima Tour with Failure opening up again. That was one of my favorite shows of all time out of it's the It's definitely hundreds. one of those bands. I remember when I first talked to you, it was definitely, I heard Black Sabbath, Priest, Iron Maiden, and Tool. Like, you yeah. know, you always listed them as one of your favorite bands yeah, when I first met definitely. you. definitely. And... So many great songs by them. Uh, I mean, the grunge, stink fest. Uh, you know, it just goes on and on. Eulogy, I love. There's just so much great stuff by them. And the most amazing thing happened this week is Tool finally released all their albums: Opiate, Undertow, Anima, Lateris, and Ten Thousand Days. All to the streaming services. Uh, again, spanning over 20 years, these albums and. Uh, they're all available now on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, iTunes, YouTube Music, Pandora, and more. Tool also announced that their brand new album will be released August 31st. And again, the, well, not again, but the name of the album, as pronounced by Maynard on the Joe Rogan Show, is Inoculum, Inoculum, and that is coming out August 30th. Cannot wait to hear that. And I mean, the memories I have of Tool, uh, 1998, OzFest, them just basically ruling that in my, I mean, and that had Motorhead, the Melvins, uh, Limp Bizkit, uh, Megadeth, I believe, was on that. And I mean, I just remember Tool just, just ruling that. I saw it with my friend Terry at PNC back in 1998, and saw them in Atlanta. I went down for their first show on the, the Lateris tour. It was their first show in like three years, three or four years, their first show back. I, I flew to Atlanta for that show. I've seen Tool in Washington, D.C. shortly after 9-11, the 9-11 attacks. That was a, a crazy time to see Tool. Um, yeah, I've seen them all over the country, and I just love Maynard's voice, Adam Jones, one of my favorite guitar players. I put him up there with the edge. I mean, he's like a texture guy, and he has so much emotion without really playing like crazy, you know, bluesy leads ever. He gets so much emotion packed into his playing. Such a great band. So I'm just so excited that they are now up on all the streaming services. Tool's entire music catalog is, uh, again, now available for streaming and downloads for the first time ever. One of the last holdouts of bands uh, to put their, their stuff on iTunes and uh, all the other streaming platforms. And fans can listen to all five albums whenever they want 
and wherever they want with the streaming services. So go listen to Tools Music today and get ready for the new record. I cannot wait. So, you know, we had Dirty Honey on, and they were a band that had that classic rock vibe. And I'm so psyched that young bands are playing traditional-sounding rock again. And we're going to hear from a great one right now. These guys are out of New Jersey, and this song is called Goodbye. I didn't even tell you what happened, Emily, that when we got to Heavy Montreal, I wanted to clear off my recorder that we're currently recording on, and I accidentally deleted this interview with the guys that drove all the way to our house for the interview, Kodiak. How'd you get it back? I bought some software oh boy. <laughs> that restored the full interview. And I, I can't believe it. I, I didn't think it was it would work. I was like already thinking, I'm going to have to offer to go to oh Tom's God. River and re-interview these guys. But I bought some software, not terribly expensive, and it, it, I got it back. So, guys, anything you delete off of your computer, please know that it's not really deleted. I mean, that's kind of crazy. I emptied the waste paper basket and everything. And... I got it back. So, and it got Good back everything else that was in my garbage. How much was that software? It was like 40 bucks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Worth it because I'm sure you'll use it again. Yes. So, on that note, thank goodness uh, this interview didn't remain in the trash can where I accidentally put it when I was frantically trying to clear the recorder to go do a ghost interview at Heavy Montreal. These are the guys from Kodiak, Chris, Peter, and Eric joining me today on Talking Metal, and we'll first hear their song Goodbye, and uh, yeah, then we'll come back and chat with you guys.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and I am here in my living room in New Jersey with the band Kodiak. Guys, how are you? How's it going, man? What's up, man? <laughs> yeah, we got Chris, Pete, and Eric, the guitarist, the drummer, and the vocalist of a great band. I'm going to say new band because it's new to me, but... Um, you know, I, I got sent a couple tunes by you guys, Goodbye and Alone, and I have to admit, I put them on, and when people are like, oh, it's a new young band from New Jersey, usually I'm like, eh, but I put these on, and you guys blew me away. I mean, this stuff sounds, the production is great, songwriting is great, musicianship is great, and I love it when there are some young guys out there flying the rock flag and doing it right, which you guys are, so thank you for that. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. So let's talk about these two songs, Goodbye and Alone. We just heard a sound sample of Goodbye. These are available for purchase on Amazon Music. I saw. I'm I'm assuming they're on iTunes and Spotify. Yes, yes, they're they're all streaming. It's all. It's all. Oh, sorry. It's all. It's all streamable. um, And you can buy them on iTunes, Amazon, anywhere you can basically buy music. You can get it. Okay. And is this it at this point? It's just these two songs. Uh, it's just these two songs, and then I think. In a couple weeks, we're going to release another one. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Cool. And let's talk about the full length, though, because there is a full length being planned, Mm -hmm. right? And it is in the works. So where are we with the full length? Eric? Uh, At the moment, uh, we have like about five singles ready, but we have like a countless material that we're working on, uh, songs to be picked. Right. Uh, release yeah. date to be picked. Okay. Yeah. We usually like uh, like we'll sit down with Carmine and we'll go through like oh okay well like we have the all these songs like we'll have twenty songs and then we'll sit down and go well these these are the best like twelve okay you know what I mean and um, we'll pick from those you know yeah, what I mean? right now like our process being that we live far away from each other they work at their home studio and write music and then they'll send it to me and I'll record and write lyrics at my okay. home studio and then we collab on that yeah. right okay so just to fill the listeners in chris and pete who are the guitar player and drummer of kodiak are in new jersey and eric you're the vocalist and you're in Wab- Tom- Wab- new, york. Falls, new york yeah. Wa- okay cool cool and then your bassist who's who's on bass uh tj um and he lives down by us more like about 20 minutes from us all right very yeah. cool and and chris let's go over to you uh your brother mentioned Carmine. We're talking about the legendary, really one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most influential rock drummers of all time, if not the most influential rock drummer of all time. Carmine Apiece, he is working with you guys. Let's first start, where did you hook up with Carmine? Well, uh, Pete was doing, Pete entered a contest to uh, star in a drum DVD. And yeah, like a drum instructional. DVD. I um, yeah, I, I yeah, I could explain it. Um, I, when I was eleven years old, I entered a contest in Modern Drummer magazine, and I won it. Eleven, wow. Yeah, <laughs> and it was for to be in Carmine Pieces Realistic Rock for Kids DVD, and um, I won it. The I got in contact with Carmine. Uh, we started working on the script and the whole drum book, like uh, like how we were going to do the video, and then I went to New York for two days, and that's where my family, me and Chris both met Carmine. Chris was, you were eight, nine? Eight, nine. Yeah, something wow. like that. Eight, nine. And um, we did the DVD. He saw that I was a really hard worker. And um, we stayed friends ever since, basically. Uh, I worked for him. I've worked for Vinny uh, with Last in Line. So I know all those guys. And I worked for Carmine with his book and with The Fudge and Cactus and all those. That's, that's awesome. When you say work, like roadie work uh, or yeah like or, i did like i did various things so like for last in line i sold merch and i helped tech 
And um, basically, they taught me the ins and outs of the business. So touring and stuff like that. And then Carmine taught me like the business side and he teaches us about the business side and going through everything, making sure that we're spending the money right. You know what I mean? We're, we're, we're budgeting in all these kind of things. So touring and all that kind of stuff we learn. Very cool. And Pete, you're the older brother by how many years? A couple of years? Four years? Four years. Yeah, yes, four, three, four, and three, and three and a half, four years. And Chris, yeah. when did you start playing guitar? I started playing when I was four. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. Musical family? Were your parents musicians? Um, our yeah. dad started. Uh, our dad started us out because when he was a kid, you know, he started playing drums and everything like that. And he was actually a big fan of Carmine, and you know, we ended up working with him. So yeah, yeah. we, we always grew up cool with thing. like music around the house. Um, my dad always told us like, you know, uh, it, like whatever you want to do in your life, do it because you only have one chance to do what you really want to do. And me and Chris really gravitated towards music. Um, I just remember from being a really young age, like I started playing drums when I was two. Um, and that's just from going into my dad's like drum room, banging around on the drums and stuff like that, learning how to play. So really um, going into everything and like learning music and stuff like that, it always came easy to us. Right. Um, you know, nothing is ever, ever easy, but this kind of came easy to us, you know. Very cool. And I want to circle back around to Carmine's involvement with you guys, but let's jump over to Eric Dalton, the vocalist of Kodiak. How did you get in touch with these guys? How did you guys, uh, how did this love connection happen? <laughs> it started at first sight. Um, right. Well, long story short, uh, my band was opening up for Last in Line, which okay. actually has Vinny Absey. Yeah, Carmine's brother. Yep. yep. And uh, that happened like two years ago. Two and a half years ago. Yeah, yeah so uh, after my band performed, Pete actually came up to me. He's like, hey, would you be interested in singing for my band? Oh, wow. And at the time, uh, my band was getting ready to go out to California, and then that right. didn't really work out. And right. so I ended up contacting them back, and they immediately they're like, hey, we're going to sh- we're gonna start recording stuff, and we'd love to get together. Right, so cool. Pretty much from there, we just start working on new originals. Nice, nice. And is when you say working on new originals, how does the songwriting process work for Kodiak? Uh, like, um, so like I said, since we're so far away, they have their own home studio. So they'll work on ideas with Carmine and then, uh, they'll send me that as a, just a music track. And then I'll write uh, lyrics and melodies to that and I'll record them at my home studio and send it back. Now is Carmine helping with the songwriting? Oh yeah. He's producing and (laughs) making sure everything turned like we will usually come up with like the music and stuff like that. And we'll hand it to Carmine. We'll be like, what do you think about this? And he'll be like, uh, maybe you guys should like try this here and, Maybe change that. Maybe you know, cut some time on that. You know, yeah. I he he basically just puts it. He takes everything and then he'll listen to things and be like, well, you know, like this part is like too long. Yeah. Maybe you guys should shorten it up because after a while that could get boring. You know what I mean? Right. And, right. When you have a person who wrote, do you think I'm sexy? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I, he knows. He knows what it takes yeah. to uh, write a good uh, hit single or or just good song in general for sure. Um, so. Eric, as far as your vocal influences go, were you strictly a hard rock metal guy, or do you have other singers that you like listening to? Uh, really, I I enjoy listening to anything. Right, um, cool. But yeah, hard rock wise, like uh, my main influence has always been like the classics, like Joe Elliott from Def Leppard, uh, right Axl on. Rose, uh, Brian Johnson. Although I don't really sing like him. Right. <laughs> cool and. Okay, let's circle back. So Carmine is producing you guys. So will will the the album that's in the works will be produced by by Carmine yes, Apiece? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 
and are you shopping it to labels? Like, where, where, what status are we at with with the with the album? We are we are actually signed already. We're signed to World Sound and AWOL. Cool. Um, so AWOL is based out of three areas. I think it's California, New York, and um, London, I believe. And then World Sound is based out of Seattle. Okay. And um, we're also on World Sound Management too. So um, and that's the World Sound is run by actually our other manager. So we have two managers. We have Carmine Peace and we have Warren Wyatt. Hmm. Warren has worked with like many of bands, and right now his he has a big Hawaiian act, and I don't want to mess her name up. Anaheyu. Okay. Yeah, Anaheyu. <laughs> okay. Um, and he works with this indie band called Mona, and like um another band who I think they're signed to Lava as well. They're signed to Lava Records. Um, called Cemetery Sun. Right, mm-hmm. right. And uh, he's working with them closely. So right. now they're working with us and we're all friends. And Right. Yeah. Cool. And as far as live shows go, when you look out into the audience, are you seeing, I mean, you guys are young guys. Do you see young faces? Do you see older faces? Yeah. Because yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a mix of everything. Yeah. 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 Which uh, is nice to see. We don't, we don't want just like one crowd. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah. we don't want just like one crowd. We want like a variety of people like, as broad as possible, because uh, yeah, because I mean, I'm an older guy, obviously, but I tell you, I go to see a band like the Winery Dogs. Do you know the Winery Dogs? Yeah. yeah, and I was seeing them down in Starland Ballroom, and I looked around the room, and it was all old, fat, bald <laughs> white guys, and it made me kind of sad, you know, because it's like it's like the Winery Dogs. I I think they have a sound that could appeal to young people, but then there's other bands like. I saw, um, you know, when I go see Ghost, they they have a more diverse audience, younger, older, you know, hipsters, nerds. And then, uh, you know, then there's other bands. I mean, I saw Panic at Disco. There was all sorts of screaming young girls. And whatever you think of that band, you know, aside, I love seeing younger people get excited by guys playing guitars and singing and and drums and and doing a rock band. I mean, is there among your generation uh, a, an interest in rock music? Obviously there is, but how big of interest is it? I, I would say if you asked four years ago that question, I would right. say probably not, but like right. with bands like Red Van Fleet coming around, like right. that's definitely bringing back that bare bones rock vibe. Right. Like uh, we definitely like that. We just get fans, Red Van Fleet fans showing up to our show. Just wow. Because we're like the same kind of, genre as them right we don't play the tracks it's we actually all play our instruments kind of a deal it's a it's it's a weird thing especially now with greta and stuff like that because now we've become more like friends with them and stuff like that talking back and forth and um you know we we went to go see them in new york city when they play terminal five and you know i think we posted one picture and like we got a flood of fans right cool i mean we went out to california to go and play this award show the heavy metal hall of fame um, or the history of heavy metal, I'm sorry. And um, we played in Frisco, Texas, and we have no music out. We have about... Yeah, yeah, at the time, right. at the time, we right. had no music out. Um, you know, maybe like a couple hundred followers on, you know, like 200 followers on Instagram. Right. And there's girls that drive three hours to come see us in Frisco, Texas. Wow. And it's like... Just because they thought we were, like, they yeah. could see that we were hanging out with really yeah. wow. wow and you know like and now they're fans of us and i mean we just played a show in connecticut again you know like a place a market we've never been in yeah and fans show up that are both fans of us and greta van fleet right all, so, because, all because all because you got to meet them and hang out with them and you have an association with them. with them and now they're fans of us because they like our music right um 
you know, it's getting to the point of where like playing the tracks is cool. You know what I mean? It's, but people want to hear real stuff. You know what I mean? You go to a panic at a disco. I know for a fact, you know, that they're not, not playing the tracks. They're you know not, I mean? not playing. The tracks. <laughs> yeah. right. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, right. like I know for a fact that, that they're playing to some sort of track, whether yeah. it's a click track or backing tracks or whatever, which is not bad at all by right. any means. But you know, us, we play to nothing. We go on stage, we have fun. We make sure the crowds involved, high energy. And yeah, that's it. How, which is how bands used to do it. Like, right. Yeah. And, that's pretty uh, to us. That's how it should be. You know, I mean, people are going to go see a live show. It doesn't matter if it's a little, you know, somebody sped up a little bit or slowed down or there's a little mistake. It doesn't really matter. It's live right. music. Right. And and I always think, you know, the click track thing. I, I've, I've always thought that the sway of the tempo adds this human element and i mean you hear a guy like steven adler the way he plays like like he actually speeds up you know and and that will intensify the song and make and and just gives it this uh excitement that you're never going to get when you're stuck into that one tempo through the whole thing so i you know i i do understand click tracks sometimes uh you know and tempo issues but on the other hand there is something nice about not playing to a click track um do you think, and this is kind of a random question, that these bands, because I've seen twice in the last two years uh, a band uh, or artist playing live, and these are all bands that my listeners know. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw any names out there right now. I'll tell you guys after we turn the mic off. But um, <laughs> where they're nowhere near the microphone, and I hear vocals coming out, and is this? which is an embarrassment for them when the clips end up on YouTube. But is YouTube causing these older acts, not always older, younger acts too, like you mentioned Panic Panic at the Disco may be using tracks. Is it, it is the fact that everything is so public where back in the day, you know, if a band had a bad night, it just got left in that town and never, no one ever knew about it. But now with YouTube... Everyone's so freaking nervous that they're going to hit a bum note that that that's why they're using tracks. And what what do you, what do you guys think about that? Is that why bands are using tracks? And and how do you feel about knowing that somebody might capture your performance? And sure, there's one night you're going to hit a wrong note or something, and that might live up there on YouTube. Just general thoughts about that. I I think that that I I I know bands. Uh, first of all. The guy who sings for Panic at the Disco is amazing. Yeah, I, he's got a great voice. I, oh, yeah. yeah. Obviously, 100% his vocal is live. I've heard him do Billy Joel stuff at the tribute that they did in, oh. in, at the Forum in L.A. or yeah, something like that. Voice, he's yeah. got an amazing voice. So nothing nothing against Panic at the Disco. I'm talking about synthesizers and all that kind of stuff. Right, live. right. Um, but I, one band in particular that I can think of um, off the top of my head, they're a smaller band signed to a smaller label. Um they were in a couple of years ago. They were in Seattle and they got obliterated, like drugs and alcohol wise. And they got on stage, and the singer was punching fans and stuff like that. And that just, you know, for video to get out like that, which I'm sure, it, even if it was the '80s or the '90s, where video couldn't get out online like that, you would still hear something about it, but it wouldn't be so bad. I feel like YouTube is, YouTube is good and bad. Media is good and bad. A press like this for us is really good because we can 
dive into stuff more listeners can hear us and stuff like that but when you get into like the personal side of it and like people like you said hitting bad notes all that kind of stuff people could comment on that all they want you know what i mean it's just it's always gonna gonna sound a little wonky when you listen to on a a recording but like in the moment back in the day like even today like in the moment you don't really hear notice that stuff because everything's so loud anyway yeah like you're i i I know i also think i i mean it again it's a live show and if you make mis- if you make any mistakes, that that's being human. That's being a real musician playing your instrument. Yeah, I I know when I mess up on stage, I'm like, oh man, I messed up. And but, but then the, I, you think about it, no one's focusing just on the drum part. You know what I mean? They're just excited to be yeah. seeing you. Yeah, they're yeah. just excited to be there and be a part of the show and all that kind of stuff because people want to be entertained, and that's what I think that a lot of bands, you know, maybe now that are smaller that are kind of hating the new rock thing that's coming back. You know, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I honestly respect it more because then I can know that they're performing. Yeah, they want yeah. And me being a singer, it's like I, I hit a bad note every night. But, like, I just you just go with it. And right. <laughs> right. It's part of being right. human. At least yeah. all, everyone that's there listening knows that I'm not singing, lip syncing to right. something. Exactly. Like, exactly. Um, so is, is rock coming back? You've mentioned Greta Van Fleet. Among the younger generation – you do you really believe that that there's something there's movement here there is a, a building of enthusiasm about the traditional rock sound among people under let's say under the age of thirty five. Yes, I completely believe. Yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you I, not only I mean I'm looking at bands now. You have this band called Dirty Honey. Yeah, I'm gonna be interviewing them in are a number gonna, of days. Yeah, they are they are amazing, and I, tell them I said like hi. Okay, you know I mean? yeah, we're, I'm interviewing them in uh, Montreal. I oh, believe yeah. they're on tour with Slash. Is that yeah, yeah, yeah? yeah. yeah. I'm interviewing them is in Miles Montreal. Kennedy singing on that, I think. Yeah, well, yeah. with Slash, he is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Dirty Honey is is amazing, and they're they're like blowing up right now. When I'm Gone, I think is their new single or something like that, and it's got already a million streams on it. Um, I mean, bands like that just show you, you know, Greta Van Fleet, The Struts, um, Dirty Honey, they are like, and us, we are like the new rock genre that's coming yeah. back. And I believe that rock is coming back. Yeah. I, I can't tell you that it's not because it's so strong right now. Right. If I was to tell you for, like he said, four years ago, if we were to start this band, the way that we look, the way that we sound and stuff like that, we probably wouldn't have hit as as fast as we are hitting now yeah uh, the fans online for us are crazy we have fan pages from around the world about us and it's like it's crazy i mean you want to add anything i mean we had the fan pages just because of uh who we're working with too like right. and, and like it's not like we didn't de- like we deserve that like because we've been in bands for years and just trying to work up to this position and it's like on- honestly an honor to have people yeah. that are that dedicated and supporting us and like buying merch from around the world for us and they're just as excited as we are. And honestly, it's weird for me to, I don't know about you guys, but it's weird for me to see people that dedicate into something that we're working on. It's, it's, it's strange, awesome. Yeah, it's strange to sell merch to people when you don't even have music out. I mean, we were selling t-shirts and drum heads and all this kind of stuff to people, and they didn't even know what we sounded like. Right. <laughs> right. They're, they're <laughs> just excited. They're like, a new rock band, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> right, cool. Yeah. And let's, uh, let's circle over to you, Chris. Who are some of your influences as a guitar player? I mean, definitely my main influence and like biggest influence since I was a young kid learning how to play was definitely Eddie Van Halen. I mean, and you can hear that. Yeah, which, yeah, that, yeah, which it sounds great and yeah. just not not only your your playing but just the tone in general. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks so much. You know, 
I mean, I I listen to everything, everybody. I mean, I've tried to look at some of his influences, like Eric Clapton and Alan Holdsworth, which is like, he's like a fusion guitar player. Yeah, I've, I've seen Alan yeah. Holdsworth in yeah. concert many years ago. Yeah, he died. Did he die? Yeah, he died. Yeah. He died recently. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, Jimmy Page and everybody like that. I mean, obviously they influence everybody that came after them. You know, I mean, I tried to look at all of it and see what I can pull from it and put into my own playing to make myself a better player. Very cool. I think that's really cool just because you are so young and yeah. you're listening to all these guys that most kids probably nowadays don't even know their names. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is awesome. And I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but are there any younger guitar players who have uh, excited you? What about, uh, what about, that kid Jason Richardson. I can edit this together. Yeah, yeah he he's got good tech. There's a there's a guitar player called uh, named Jason Richardson, and he does a lot of like the more technical like shre- like shredding type of fast playing and stuff like that. He's got very good technique and stuff like that. And even uh even the uh from Greta Van Fleet. Jake. Uh, yeah, Jake from Greta Van Fleet. He he's got a lot of feel in his playing and stuff like that. You know, he's got that feeling of you know, like that Jimmy Page type of thing that sway. Yeah. Yeah. He's got like he's got like that um it's funny when you see the and you see like a Sammy move like when he plays bass, it's like Right. It's like you see like it, it it's weird to watch them and then watch Led Zeppelin. It's it's just so it's so bizarre and so strange and it, it's really cool. Right. It, it, you know, it's it's like it's watching them on stage like uh back in November and it's just like Man, like, like these guys are like. I'm not gonna say they're the new Led Zeppelin, but you know, like, they are. They're good. Right. They're, they're good. Vibe. Yeah, they have that vibe yeah. of that that time and. Yeah, they have that vibe yeah, of that they have time. That vibe of Led Zeppelin type of. Yeah. Music. They're very loose. They they go on stage. You know, I, uh, Josh is great front man. He gets out on stage, owns it the whole night. It's great. Cool and. As far you get working on the new record, what about live dates? Do you have touring or or one off live dates coming up? Oh, uh, we're playing the show at uh, my father's place. At what, what next Saturday? What town is that in? Twenty seventh, Roslyn, New York. Ros- Roslyn, New York. Uh, All right. Well, this may or may not be posted by by that point, but okay. Uh, I think in September we're going to be going to Seattle. We're going to fly to Seattle, do a show there, and then we're going to oh, actually fly to Alaska. Wow. And do three shows there. And we're going to do it. Carmine and Vinny are going to do the A Peace Brothers show. In Alaska. And, yeah. Wow, it makes sense. I mean, Kodiak in Alaska. <laughs> yeah. When is that happening? Like, <laughs> uh, I think right now the contracts have to be all set up and stuff like that. I think it's the third week okay. in September. Wow. Yeah. So not not too far off, really. Um, yeah. Yeah, not too far off. We have two birthdays. It's going to be TJ's birthday and Chris's birthday that week, which will be cool to celebrate in Alaska. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Let's uh, let's let's talk here, Chris. As far as the guitar goes, what kind of uh, stuff are you playing out of? I'm playing uh, Charvel Sandemus. It's great guitar. Awesome. Everything sounds great. Cool. And amp wise? Oh yeah, no. Chris. Tell them who you're getting it set up by. Oh, uh, I get my guitar set up by uh, Paul Unkert. Okay. And I know a, that name. He, yeah, yeah, he's a luthier down by where we live and actually he worked for Kramer in like the early 80s and he's actually someone who helped build and work on a lot of Eddie Van Halen's guitars the Kramers oh wow from around that time so like the Hoffer teacher guitar and the 5150 guitar and stuff like that 
he worked on a lot of those. Right. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. I got a Kramer pacer and, and I think it's an 86 in the, in the basement. <laughs> yeah. And as, as far as amps go, what's giving you that rich sound? I'm playing a Mesa Boogie Mark V. Oh, cool. Yeah. And you got pedals, rack mounts, anything I'm running using, into it? Uh, TC Electronic G Major 2 for my effects. And I also run some stomp boxes and stuff like that. And right. For different delay sounds and stuff cool. like that. And is it the same setup in the studio, or do you, you alter that? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the same setup. I right. mean, we just mic up the cab, which is a 412. What you hear on the record. Is yeah, the it's what, yeah that's what, we pretty much sound exactly like we do live right. in the studio. That's like the whole point for us, to get that raw live sound. Awesome, cool. And as far as drums go, Pete, what are you, uh, what are you banging on? Uh, I play Sabian cymbals. They're nice enough to um, endorse me, and... Um, I play Vic First Sticks and Pearl Drums. Okay. I play a double bass Pearl Kit, two 22-inch kicks, um, 10, 12, 14, 16, 16, 16, 18. And, um, yeah, I love it. I have a Ludwig um, Superphonic as my snare. Oh, nice. And, um, you know, I try to try to get that Alex Van Halen crack. It's so hard right. to get that sound. Yeah. I've tried so many times. So many heads, so many things. Taping it, I I found that taping it is the best way. But I mean, there's no way. I I know. I talked to Carmine. Carmine's like, I don't know how he does it. Right, right. <laughs> He's like, it sounds great. He's like, um, I'll ask him the next time I'm talk to him. I'm like, you know what? Include me on that, please. Right. I would like <laughs> yeah. to know that. Yeah, it was nice <laughs> enough too when we were out in L.A. Carmine gave Pete uh, one of his old gongs. Oh wow! So he added oh. that to the kit. Oh, that's so awesome. Now there's like at least a few feet of stage room for Chris and I. Right, 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 right. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and Eric, as far as your vocal influences go, um, you you mentioned some of them earlier, but were there were there more local influences? Like, were there vocal lessons that took place? Were there? Uh, do you still practice singing? Like, how do you uh, develop your your vocal? I sing. I, I never had lessons, but I practiced a lot by just singing to records that I loved. Right. And, uh, okay. I, I went to school for music production, so I could oh, look okay, at, cool. Uh, Where'd you go to school? A Mercy College. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Dobbs Ferry, New York. Um, yeah. So I can look at it a different way. Like if I hear the way he's singing something, I can be like, oh wait, well I can re- replicate that in a recording by doing this and this to it. So it's not so much like belting at this point, right? Where it's like he's doing a different technique. And uh, those kind of things, just like picking it apart and working out like that have helped me out a lot. Awesome. Cool. Well, guys, I wish you the best of luck. And I am so happy that you're out there doing what you do. Because, again, the songs that I've heard sound excellent. And I absolutely want to be at a show soon, hopefully in the New York, New Jersey area. So please keep me posted. And uh, good luck with everything you're doing. How exciting. Carmine, a piece, producing your debut album which we hope will be out what later this year yes yeah, yeah. We, we have a date we just gotta set it and right it okay yeah. we'll keep us posted and when the album is released uh you know maybe early 2020 we'd love to have you guys back on to give yeah, us an update great. yeah awesome, all right yeah. cool where's the best place people can connect with you guys online uh all the social medias the at signs are at we are kodiak and then you can go to our website, KodiakBand.com. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for making the trip up to Maplewood, New Jersey, here to speak with Thank us. Thank you. Yeah, th- thanks for having us, man. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. Yeah. Big thanks to Kodiak. 
Chris, Peter, Eric. Thanks for making the drive up to Maplewood, New Jersey. Thanks to you guys for supporting us. Thanks to all the patrons on Patreon. You guys rock. We're really doing well there. We want to add some more people. Consider joining me and Victor and Emily on Patreon for more exclusive content. And uh, thanks to Tool for releasing your music to the streaming services. We appreciate that. And uh, that'll do it, Emily. Thanks so much. Super fun. Let's go uh, walk the dog. Yeah. All right. Talk to you later.